evening. This is episode 11 of Pixel Heart Duo. As always, I am Frick. And I am Fox. That is her. So tonight we're going to have kind of an interesting episode. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, handheld accessories. Uh, we are not going to touch on the Switch. Um, it's an accessory, but it's also a, a console. We're also going to talk about game launches. Um, this is the time of the year when launch schedules start coming out and you know people start getting excited and so there are some games that have done it really well um and have honestly revived brands have like sent console launches screaming into the stratosphere and there's other games that they launched and some of them never recovered so yeah i'm, I'm pretty i'm pretty excited to to rant about a couple of these titles not gonna lie like <laughs> Go back in for seconds, but uh, yeah. So um, I don't know what. What are your thoughts on on kind of some of the stuff we're covering tonight before we kind of dive into the the meat and potatoes of it? Well, you know, I, remote play, streaming devices. You know that that's our the world that we live in now, right? Um, yeah. People don't want to be tethered to one location. And um, so it's a bit uh, exciting to go over some of a couple of these products that, you know, most people don't necessarily think about, you know, because mm. everybody knows that the Switch has the, the portable um, aspect on lock. So, yeah. um, it, it being the fantastic console that it is. However, um, there's a couple of other things that... Um, might be worth checking out or it might not be i don't know or our opinions could differ there could be some drama yeah they might you never know i know <laughs> i know we've we've talked about some of the stuff in the past kind of just privately but um you know in in kind of going at it in an official capacity um yeah yeah we'll have to see um but i mean both consoles offer remote play you know you can just boot up the app on your phone you can play you know xbox remote play you can play playstation remote play you can play your game pass um, personally i am not a fan of playstation's remote play simply because it seems kind of wonky uh on my phone i had an iphone 11 when i was trying it and uh, my PS4, it was like it would just not connect. And then when I got a PS5, it had a really hard time. Like, I could be sitting on the couch next to the console, you know, like, um, you know, someone wanted to watch a movie and I wanted to play FIFA. So I would get it on, my like, my phone. And either it wouldn't connect or it would be super laggy. Like, I couldn't play anything other than just your basic sports game or something that didn't involve. So um, I think both Microsoft and Sony understood that there was a market for uh, handheld remote play peripherals and accessories. Um, one of the most popular ones, <clears throat> and I'll cover the PlayStation version first, is the Backbone. And for those of you who have not seen it before, the Backbone is essentially just two Joy-Cons smashed together and you can stick your phone on it and you can adjust it a little bit based on your phone size. Um, the PlayStation 1 was inspired by the look and feel of the PlayStation DualSense wireless controller. Uh, it transforms your iPhone, 
or your Android device um, into the ultimate gaming console. Snap in your phone and play any game or service that supports controllers, including Apple Arcade, GeForce Now, or even stream from PlayStation with PS Remote Player PC. The Backbone app organizes your content library and game streaming services into an integrated user experience. Uncover a new world of premium gaming in seconds. Um, I've seen it. I haven't actually used it. Um, I know people who have used the Xbox version more, which you'll cover. I will say... As a note for both of these, you can use them without a phone. You can use them without a mobile device and just use it as a controller. My question is, why would you then just not buy a controller? <laughs> it's less expensive. Um, but yeah, and I mean, the compatibility, it has compatibility with the iPhone 6S all the way up to the 14. Um, now you can play with Android devices. Uh, and iPhone 15s with USB-C connections because Apple wisened up and said, oh, we're not doing lightning connections anymore. So that's kind of that's kind of one, one option for remote play if your phone is just a little too small, you got a little bit bigger hands, or you just like the feel of a controller. Um, and it feels more like a Switch dimension as well, which is, which is definitely nice. So a, a couple of things... Um, with the X, you do have to specify um, which backbone you want. You can't get a backbone because backbone it's actually a third party. It's not it's not Microsoft nor Sony, um, but you do have to specify. So um, you know if you're getting an Xbox backbone, there you go. Same with uh, PlayStation or Sony. Sorry, my nose is itching. Um, I think when it comes to these two, when it comes to this particular, um, I don't know, device, whatever you want to call it, um, I feel I kind of lean towards that Game Pass is a little more um, friendly with the backbone. Um, and... You know, the good news is that because it's off of cellular data, because you're, you know, on your cell phone or whatever, um, there is more, there is an actual portability functionality to it. You know, like you can actually like take it and go play other things. Do not use, do not think though, I'm, I'm going to be on a plane and um, I'm going to, you know, get this thing so I can play video games on the plane. Um, then work in airplane mode. FYI. Um, yeah. So those are a couple of things that I uh, noticed about it. Um, and just, you know, my initial thoughts. Um, I've seen, I've seen both the X, I've seen both game, game pass as well as PlayStation Plus um, in motion with the back with their backbones. Um, and I'm just going to be honest, I feel like Xbox kind of did this transition a little better than Sony did. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What are some, what are some pros and cons, like other pros and cons that you can kind of think of between getting a backbone and getting something else or just using your phone 
you know, on its own. Like, things you can think about. I mean, it was because it does go off of the, um, you know, the your cell towers and stuff like that. If, you know, if you got limited bars, not really good reception, you know, wherever you are, obviously that's going to affect your gameplay. Um, because you are streaming. You're not, you know, you're not playing it off your phone. Um, yeah. So, you know, the game is not locally installed. Uh, so that's definitely going to um, kind of put a damper on your game experience there. You know, if if towers are dropping and that kind of thing. Um, you're also working off of, depending on the phone you have, you're also working off of a pretty small screen. Um, when you think about it. I mean, I know our, our phones seem huge. But when you're talking about, you know, some of these, you know, massive open world title or open world titles, um, you might lose some kind of uh, experience with with the itty bitty screen. Um, yeah. Those are those were a couple of the upfront um, cons. Mm -hmm. One of the pros is that um, since you are playing it off your accounts your game progression is saved. So if you're out and about and, you know, you're at the doctor, you're at the doctor's office all day doing tests or whatever, and you're using this to play, um, when you get back to your, your home console, your progression in the games um, that you've played will be there. I watched a guy play an entire um, Fortnite match on his backbone. Um, so, <laughs> that's a thing. <laughs> um, and it was actually pretty cool. Um, he wasn't that good. I don't know if that was the backbone's fault or his fault. But, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll blame it on the backbone. No. No, user error. He's definitely a user. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it's not the only game, only, only kid in town. Um, there are other options for Xbox. However, Sony has released a new official peripheral. It came out recently. It was very hard to find. Thank you, scalpers. It's always fun getting new products. Looking at you, Lurkana. Um, but that is the PlayStation Portal. Um, you can experience PlayStation gaming on the fly with cutting-edge PlayStation Portal remote player designed for the PlayStation 5 console. Seamlessly connect via Wi-Fi and immerse yourself in your favorite games directly from your library, all while maintaining quality on the Portal's impressive 8-inch LCD screen with a stunning 1080p resolution and smooth FPS gameplay of 60 frames per second. I don't know if you could say it's stunning 1080p, but I guess for handheld, cool. Um, escape the confines of traditional gaming and embrace unrestricted mobility. With the PlayStation Portal's built-in adaptive triggers and haptive, haptic feedback capabilities, this innovative device empowers you to break free from limitations, ensuring an unparalleled on-the-go game experience. Now, I will say, you had one come into your store. It felt mm -hmm. great in the hand. And I thought to myself, as a Sony fanboy, man, why the hell would I buy this? <laughs> like... <laughs> You know, the, the, the screen is fantastic. 
It's a beautiful screen. It feels great. It feels like you're holding like a PlayStation. Like it feels like if PlayStation made a Switch. It just it feels good. Like the haptic feedback on the triggers feels great. Like it just looks amazing. The screen is vibrant, and I'm going. Why the hell would I buy this? It's almost two hundred dollars. <laughs> like, I I don't I don't get it. And like. The Wi-Fi is terrible. Like the connection, the connectivity, you have to have a very good Wi-Fi connection in order for it to work. And suffice to say, at least where we live, they've got one gig internet, they've got ten gig internet, and Wi-Fi still sucks. The town I live in, they don't like towers, they don't like signal boosters, they like to keep it beautiful. And so it's like, do I really want to pay $200 just to say, I own a PlayStation Portal? And on top of that, it was hard to find for the longest time. So it's like, I mean, when am I ever going to use it? It still is. Yeah. It still is. It's like, wh like when am I ever going to use this thing? Like, I could spend $100 on a Backbone, or I could spend $200 on a Portal, get a bigger screen. I will say, my iPhone is like... You know, five, five and a half inches screen, 5.7 inches, whatever the iPhone 15 is. Like, yeah, you know what? The Portal has a nice big screen. But again, for the third time, as a Sony fanboy, which I, I, I think I'm actually, like, falsifying that claim with every episode we do. More and more, <laughs> I become less and less of a Sony fanboy. Maybe it's just because I'm getting old. But why the hell would I buy a Portal? Like... I don't, I don't, I don't see, until they improve the firmware, like, they improve the hardware to really take advantage of less than stellar Wi-Fi, why the hell am I going to buy one? Like, I don't know, what, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, a couple of things, um, uh, a lot of people have come in asking for the new Sony Portable. Uh, this is most definitely a misnomer because it is when the second you hold it and look at it and handle it, it is not designed to be portal portable. First and foremost, Sony themselves say that it will work better on your home network. Now, you can use it as a remote player on any Wi on any Wi-Fi, um, any Wi-Fi hotspot. However, you have to have a really good strong signal in order for it to be useful. So Sony themselves say use it at home because that's going to be your best experience. Number two about the the portability myth, um, and I'm going to call it that, um, is the screen. Um, while the while the the handheld part of it, you know, if you can imagine, it's like they took the DualSense controller, which is a phenomenal phenomenal controller, by the way. Like I I I am Xbox through and through, as you guys know. I voted with my dollars and went Microsoft with uh, this past Christmas. Um, but I will say that when it comes to controllers, that that PlayStation controller, the DualSense, is amazing. So when you think about basically they split a DualSense controller in half and then put a screen in the middle, it feels good um, with, the, with the grips. However, the screen actually feels and looks flimsy. Um, it's got nice resolution and all that kind of stuff. They don't, 
it's a unique size that they don't make a screen protector for. It's a unique size that they don't make a um, portal like carry case for, you know, like, I mean, Switch and, and Steam Deck and all like you can get carry cases designed for them. You will not find a, a PlayStation portal carry case. Um, and because of that, like it, it, it's without touching it, it's hard for you to imagine. But if you got one, you would. If you held one, you would know exactly what I'm talking about when I say you are not tossing this in your briefcase and you know running out the door. You're not. Um, where do I think that this would be a good use? Uh, you know, I was trying to kind of dig into some personal experience here. Um, Frick loves his horror movies, and I am a big weenie when it comes to horror movies. So I could see myself, like, playing something on a portal, um, you know, so that I can, you know, be in the same room, maybe, like, turning it turned away from the TV, um, you know. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's a personal use that, you know, it can test out or whatever. Um, but then your balance, then you get smacked with or just yet another, what I find a con, um, is in order to use the headset function, you have to use, you guessed it, the Sony, like, three pulse headset. It does not work with any other Bluetooth headset. It's it's got to be there. Like they want you in their proprietary little little clutches. Ooh. Sony, do better. Anyway, <laughs> those are some that that is my long answer to a very short question. <laughs> yeah so if you could sum it up and just to like one final take in terms of all three of these products what would it be it's, i i just really didn't think that the portal um lived up to its hype you know so many people you know mistakenly calling it the the playstation portable no it it it's really not um you know for the price tag um scalpers whatever you're you're dealing trash like stop it it's not worth six hundred dollars <laughs> um and uh i don't know i just i think the idea is good i just think it needs to cook a little more i would maybe wait another iteration or two if sony continues to to make them um but uh, but yeah, I'd wait um, on the portal. However, I did dismiss the backbone straight away when I first like heard about it, first saw it. I was like, "What is this thing? Like, whatever. Like, the screen's so small. What are you gonna do with it?" Um, I don't know. I'm actually kind of starting to entertain the idea of that. That might be. Of course, for the Xbox One. I'll still for them. It's good. It's fine. <laughs> Shameless shilling. That's what, that's what <laughs> you are doing. Yes. No. Um, 
I mean, I, I, I feel the same way. I don't like how people are thinking that this is a new Sony Portable. Um, I am a big fan. Like I said, I, I am a, a fanboy. I love everything Sony. I had a Vita. I had two Vitas. I had a PlayStation. I had two PlayStation Portables, like PSPs. I loved those systems. I feel like... There is a market for it, especially with the Switch and the fact that the rumored Switch 2 is just going to, like, even more dig into the on-the-go playing. Like, <clears throat> Xbox, they don't have a handheld, but you can play Game Pass games without even having an Xbox. Like, if they're on your account and you're able to play them on mobile, like, we were talking to... You know, one of the, the higher-ups at a local game store. And he said, you know, I don't even have an Xbox, but I have a Game Pass subscription. And when my son's at his football games or practices, I just pull up my Game Pass on my phone and I play. And he's like, I might get an Xbox down the line, but I don't need one. And it's like, yeah. And so, I mean, a backbone would be great for that. Um, because it's it's not like... The portal, which is just an extension of your PlayStation console, it's its own thing. And, like, it plugs into your phone. You can use it. You don't even need to have a backbone. You know, like, you can support Xbox, um, you know, get Microsoft uh, get Game Pass, and, and that's that. So until Sony releases an actual, like, mobile console... I, I don't see me owning a portal. Like, it just... I can spend that $200 elsewhere. I can buy multiple controllers for my console of choice for that same price. That's just and, with, and with a backbone, you can have a screen protector, which is vital for anybody with children. <laughs> or klutzy hands, which, you know, I may or may not be fall under that category. No comment. <laughs> no comment. Yeah. So take that what you will, dear viewers, dear listeners. But so we are going to move into the topic for tonight. Um, it's going to take up a little bit longer time. Um, hopefully we won't get too animated about some of these titles. Uh, some of them are very painful. Um but we are going to cover a couple of the best recent gaming launches. Um, and they are not like necessarily because the game was perfect, the launch was perfect, yada, 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 it was perfect. But it was because it had multiple, <clears throat> excuse me, multiple like compounding domino effects of like why it was. Um, and then we're going to cover even more of the worst recent gaming launches. Um, you know, in today's news cycle, they always focus on the negative, but for the positive, I try to be a positive thinker. But for recent gaming launches, because game developers and uh, console developers like to have the quote-unquote live service model where they release half-done games and then go, yeah, we'll update it with DLC and make it a complete game for $30 next year, there are a lot more negative so we'll start with a positive one of well, the is... okay. go ahead no go ahead 
I was just going to say, and as every, as every gamer knows, launch day is especially for a, a hugely anticipated game is like we take days off from work. We take vacations, <laughs> we, you know, to experience the joy. And, you know, for those of us who have played games like World of Warcraft and all that, you know, the expansion launch days or whatever, you spend like 90% of the day waiting for the servers to come back up after crashing. Um, Looking at you, but... Blizzard. <laughs> So we did want to cover this and give a nod to it um, a little bit simply because, you know, it's the experience that we've all, you know, we do, we've all done the midnight release parties, you know, for, well, I didn't do it for Call of Duty because meh, but, <laughs> but we've all had those experiences um, in our gaming career and it's, it's something exciting to look forward to. So when it's great, it's really great. And when it, you know, falls flat, uh, uh, it's bad. Yeah, and I mean, the gaming culture is big, and it's it, it, launches have been that way for years. The Japanese culture are they have massive, massive interest in video games. I mean, it's the birthplace of Nintendo. It's the birthplace of of Sony. Like, you know, even Sega tried their hand in the '90s, and they kind of failed because you know it, it's like the litmus test. Like, I'm actually reading a book on like how Mario saved Nintendo, like right now, and and uh, you know, the Japanese culture they have a rule that states developers cannot release large titles like Dragon Warrior on weekdays because people will call out sick from work to start leveling up immediately. So they have to release them on Saturday or Sunday. Like, when you have a good launch, you have a good launch. And Dragon Warrior is a Nintendo title. I have the original Dragon Warrior in my cabinet back there. But another, or I guess the first of the best recent gaming launches I'm going to cover, came out on the Nintendo Switch. And that is The Legend of Zelda... Breath of the Wild. After Skyward Sword, it was clear that the Zelda series needed a bit of a shakeup. People were tired of the same 3D Zelda formula, and Breath of the Wild was exactly what the series needed. Going back to the roots of the first game, Breath of the Wild gives you a massive world to explore with no restrictions. After the beginning areas, you can head straight to Ganon if you want to. The open world design and various elements like cooking and climbing have become become very influential to many games after this. Breath of the Wild was truly the next Ocarina of Time and the next evolution of the series. And Tears of the Kingdom just continued on that. Zelda wasn't by any means dead, but I mean, interest was kind of waning. Like, it, it, it was a flagship Nintendo title. It had been a flagship Nintendo title since Super Mario Brothers. Like, it was one of the next... Nintendo games that they developed like on the heels of that to kind of like innovate so Zelda really wasn't going to go anywhere but it was kind of getting a little bit stale like the formula was getting stale um, the only thing I have an issue with, with Breath of the Wild is weapon durability it feels like your weapons just break way too much but it was revolutionary I still remember the first time I booted it up and I walked off after the starting area and I looked at the, like on the cliff and I just looked out over the map and like 
it was kind of like Mufasa and Simba, like anywhere the sun, t only it was like anywhere I can put my eyes on, I can go right now. And it was just rev like, it was game changing people. There was a reason why Breath of the Wild was game of the year. There was a reason why people could not stop talking about it and put hundreds of hours into this game, exploring every nook and cranny. And then there's other people that would beat it in 12 minutes. Like, you know, woo. like admittedly, I, I tried to play Breath of the Wild the same time I had Super Mario Odyssey, and so I was juggling a couple of games at once, and then I just kind of let the balls fall. So I have to go back and finish it. I have to finish Tears of the Kingdom. But as a, as a Zelda fan, I won't say I'm a fanboy because I am more of a Mario fan, um, mm -hmm. it is definitely the right direction. Um, they're they're going to need to shake it up a little bit going forward. They cannot just start repeating the formula you know, with Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom, um, I, I know that that's air, that's water, so then I guess, like, Flames of the Bathroom, I don't know what they're going to do next, but they need <laughs> to, like, revolutionize it, or at least tweak the, the formula a little bit. I know you don't have a ton of experience with the game directly, but I know indirectly, you know, you've heard a lot of the same things. Oh, it, the Zelda franchise in general just has this fan base that they are so loving and so dedicated and you know it, it's funny some of you out there might be lifting your eyebrow going I thought this chick was was a gamer how does she not have a lot of experience with Zelda um let me clarify some things number one I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of experience playing Zelda I have none so Let's be clear on that one. Number two, the reason why I have I have zero experience with Zelda is because um, it is actually a game series that I know I would fall in love with, and I would lose my life too. Like, you know, I don't know. It it would be like six weeks, and then somebody might be like. Uh, where's Fox been? <laughs> Anybody seen her? Anybody checked in on her? Is she okay? <laughs> that, that is the only reason why I've never touched a Zelda game. There's a couple. There's a couple of titles like that. Kingdom Hearts is another one. I I know I will love it, so I just don't touch it. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's uh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm 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 trying to alleviate that. I'm trying to bypass that addiction, that pre-addiction, because I know it would happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fair enough, fair enough. So, um, but yeah, I was not surprised to find that you know that they continue to to crank out really really great games um, that people can fall in love with and enjoy. And be a part of um, another series uh, similar. Well, not it's not similar to Zelda in that sense, but similar in the sense that it has a following that people that are very very um, fanatic about the Yakuza uh, series. They just dropped the Like a Dragon um, not that long ago. The Yakuza franchise was running a running out of steam a bit after the Dragon Engine titles felt like a step down from the likes of Zero or Five. 
Um, the beat em up action just felt worse, but the seventh main installment arrived to save the day. While the whole genre shifted to JRPG uh, was risky, it's exactly what everyone needed. It felt incredibly refreshing to not only the series, but to other AAA RPGs out there at the time. The new cast of characters were great, and Ichiban is worthy of filling Kiryu's place as the protagonist. Launch titles were pretty barren for at the time, so again, you know, it, it was one of those games that just kind of like, like, oh yeah, that's right. Xbox Series X, ooh, Yakuza. You know, it was it was good for um, th that exclusivity. Um, so that was kind of a, a kind of breathed a little bit of life into everything, like a dragon. Um, debatably, the best launch title for either system in 2020. Um, the what's funny about the so this is a. This is a franchise that I have played. These are titles that I have experience with. And it's really funny because they're not my usual forte. Um, as you as you know, Frick, I have like this like gore sort of like <laughs> you know, I kind of steer away from horror movies. I steer away from, you know, overly like violent, gory things because I don't know that they they affect me a little different. Um, but I don't know. This is one I actually find pretty enjoyable. So the so the the whole franchise is actually one that I really enjoy. And Like a Dragon definitely um spark re-sparked that interest. Um, you know, honestly, before Like a Dragon came out, I was I kind of forgotten about it. And then I was like, oh yeah. And so once I finish this one. I'm, I have every intention of going back and playing through the other ones again because I've forgotten how much I loved the franchise. So those are my thoughts. What about you? Yeah, and I mean, in, in this current gen of consoles kind of suffered, you know, because it came out right as the pandemic was happening. So mm -hmm. a lot of people are going, man, we're like four years into this cycle. Like or almost four years into the current gen cycle, and it doesn't even feel like it's, like, spun up. Like, Todd Howard has come out and said, you know, we're we're aiming for 2028 for our next console. And he actually then said, okay, well, we're actually probably looking more like 2026, 2027. But, like, usually you have a six-year period in between console releases. And Like a Dragon gave Xbox that, like, push forward the series s and the series x like it had a definitive current gen advanced title you know sony suffered from the same thing i mean you had you had spider-man you know you had other um you know like horizon forbidden west you could play on the ps4 or ps5 when cyberpunk launched ps4 ps5 xbox one xbox series s series x um you know but like a dragon was like boom it put xbox like forward and they were like we have our next gen title and it it was nice because the the problem that i have with xbox is that they don't have very many exclusives because it's a microsoft console so you've got pc windows and you've got xbox and a lot of times microsoft plays a lot friendlier with people than sony does um 
you know, the the Japanese culture of kind of like having our stuff and like not, you know, Nintendo for years. I mean, you want to go back and talk about pettiness, like some of the agreements they had, some of the contracts they had with these developers before Sega came out with the Genesis. Like they were crushing it, crippling. Sony does not like to play nice. They don't really like cross-play platforms or uh, cross-platform play. So when Like a Dragon came out, it was really nice because then Xbox was like, we've got, you know, one of a few console exclusives for Xbox. Like, this is one of the reasons why you should invest in Series S or Series X. Obviously, it played better on Series X. A lot of these next-gen titles, because they were trying to, um, they weren't truly next-gen titles, so they were developing them for PS4 and Xbox One, and that a lot of times it suffered from um, <clears throat> performance, or you didn't see an upgrade. So it's like, why am I going to buy a Series X if it plays the same? Like, meh. But um, Like a Dragon, it really kind of revitalized the series. And the newest one that just came out, it, it is getting hailed as a really good game and a step forward again. Um, you know, so I mean, it's, it's one of those titles, these two titles together. They kind of just breathe a, a breath of fresh air, no pun intended, you know, like a dragon and Breath of the Wild. I didn't mean to make that pun, but cool. Um, you know, it, they really kind of, they were great launches, and they were complete games at launch that only were made more completer later on with patches and updates. Um, you know, when you were buying these games, you were buying these games. You were not buying live service. Um and so that's where we're heading into for some of these worst recent gameplay or gaming launches. There are many to choose from. Believe me, there are many. Like Fallout 76. Many have tried. Many have tried. Many, many have, have failed. failed. Yeah. <laughs> Fallout 76 is one that comes to mind. Star Wars Battlefront 2 is another one that comes to mind. Do not get me started on the Battlefront series. Uh, and Cyberpunk these are low-hanging fruit these are easy to punch we're gonna go even lower with this low-hanging fruit a game so nice we're talking we're not above it no this is a game so nice a launch a bad launch so nice we talked about it two times thought i was gonna rhyme and that is the 2016 launch of no man's sky it is one of the more ambition game ambitious games to come out in the 2010s in it, players explore science fiction worlds, gather resources, and build spaceships, all with the goal of exploring the mysterious Atlas. But the game's big draw is that it tries to offer nearly an infinite procedurally generated universe, including more than a quintillion planets. Think about how many commas are in that comic club, with each of their own unique flora and fauna. Hello Games creator Sean Murray admits he might have overhyped the game before it launched. Uh, when it did come out, many reviewers felt the game was repetitive and surprisingly empty of content despite its settings. I cannot tell you the number of gray planets I landed on where there just wasn't anything. Um, then, a smaller, angrier subset of fans expressed their displeasure with Murray and his company Hello Games by sending death threats. Despite all of that, No Man's Sky is an example of a game that was considered a flop at first, but then later was redeemed. Developer and publisher Hello Games has continually improved the gameplay, and released substantial free updates. It is an amazing game, but I don't care about that because it had a horrific launch. Like, 
I bought the game and I was like, what the f-? And then I remember like they talked about it was going to take you months to reach the center of the galaxy. And some guy was like, yeah, I, I did it in less than a week. And it was like, what? And then like they're talking about like you couldn't see your friends and you were this is something like you were going to go on a grand adventure together. And you're like, okay, number one, it's so big. I can't even find my friends. And number two, it's so big. I'm running into the same planets over and over again where there's just nothing like it was a terrible launch and it was like no promises got kept things just felt like it just it felt so empty and it was just kind of like what like what are you trying to pull on us right now um and so now it's a fantastic game like i'd love i'll go back and play it like it has such replayability like cool but in 2016 it was the floppiest of flops and that's all i'm gonna say about that it does have a a rather inspiring redemptive arc to the story. Nobody um, cares about think, good news, though. I think it, it was an, a, a fantastic example of developers listening to people instead of saying, you know, making up the, like, working as intended. No, it's not, fool! I'm not dumb! Don't tell me that! So... But they actually, you know, they actually did listen and fix. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we talked about No Man's Sky in a previous uh, episode. So we're not going to go in too hard on it. There are three more that we're going to talk about. (laughs) I got two of these because I got a bone to pick with these two. I'm going to cover one. (laughs) You're going to cover one. Then I'm going to cover another one. And I'm saving it for last strategically. But the next one we're going to talk about, I bought the collector's edition of this. I bought all the bells and whistles. I am still, like, I see the name of this game, and I just, like, I want to just, like, rip a Barbie's head off. Like, (laughs) I was so amped for this game after I played, like, the, I played, like, the little beta you know, they had, like, the, the free weekend to test it out. You get invited to it. Like, people are like, oh, I want to get it. Like, you got into it. When this 2019 title launched, within two years, it was dead. I would I would even argue within six months it was dead. Now, you might be going, okay, just shut up already and tell us the title. That title, and please steal yourselves for those of you who have played this game before. Just take a minute. That title is Anthem. The Dragon Age and Mass Effect franchises are some of the most beloved games of the 2000s. So when developer BioWare tried its hand at creating an online action role-playing game, the anticipation was high. That's an understatement. But many felt that just because BioWare was behind a game, it doesn't guarantee it will be perfect at launch. I mean, every developer suffers from that. CD Projekt Red was the darling, and then Cyberpunk came out. So, anyways, in Anthem, players control a customizable freelancer on a futuristic planet that battles a power-hungry faction called the Dominion. Like many online RPGs, the big draws are the customization options and the loot. It's just a blast to design your character to be an unstoppable killing machine with impeccable style. There's no one reason why Anthem had a lackluster 54% positive rating on Metacritic, which for what the game looked like and what it played like in that free weekend, it's like, 
At launch, the game experienced server problems and offered an unsatisfying loot system. Quests were generic and overly complicated. Then, Kotaku published a report alleging the game's development was plagued by disagreements and, quote, stress casualties, end quote. After its launch in February 2019, BioWare attempted to salvage the game through a series of updates. Nearly a year later, the company promised a substantial reinvention of the game. However, in 2021, BioWare decided to stop all development and reassign developers to the next Dragon Age and Mass Effect projects. Now, Mass Effect, they released the remastered series. They have not released a new Mass Effect title. So that's kind of damning that, like, less than two years later, they just took those developers and were like, here, go work on the next Mass Effect project. Wink, wink. Like, Anthem <laughs> was one of those games where it it launched and i was so flipping excited it was gorgeous like the controls were great like you just felt like your character just felt powerful like that first time you just took off and launched and you know you're flying around the the environment it just felt like a title that was like this has staying power like this destiny ain't got nothing on anthem like freelancers like whew, you know you got your four different classes like, you got your four different styles of play, and then you can just branch out as you get more stuff and have subclasses. Like, Anthem was going to be, like, that game. And then it just wasn't. And within three months, it was on the bargain bins. Like, you could buy the collector's edition for, like, 75% off because it just fell so hard on its face, it its face never recovered. To the point where Bioware was like, yep, we're done. Um... And I, I still have it in my library because I also bought, I got the digital copy with the collector's edition. I can't even look at it. I have to scroll past it on my library because I instantly get agitated at what it could, <laughs> what it could have been. That launch was so bad. You talk about server issues, the server issues, like it wasn't letting people in for days. And like 25% of the, the game's, population was able to play at any given time and then you would get booted off and then you couldn't reconnect for days at a time like it was awful and it pissed me off something fierce working as intended oh, man. <laughs> um to those of you still hanging on to your copies stop trying to trade them in <laughs> please please the number of people I have to turn away and say, no, we don't take this game. But 12 why? cents in store credit and pocket lint's all you're going to get. <laughs> Not even 12 cents. You have to pay us to take the game. That's how that works now. <laughs> oh, man. So there, our next high speaking of people coming in to give, drop off or pick up their games, Skull and Bones. I the new pirate game that just took forever to come out. Literally. Uh, originally announced in 2013. Yes, 2013. That's 11 years ago. My math is mathing. Um, as an expansion for Assassin's Creed Black Flag and later spin off into its own title in 2017. Experienced not one, not two, not three, not even four, but five 
delays. 2018 to 2019 to 2020 to 2021, 2022. And finally, finally, it has now dropped in Q1 2024. 11 years later. Now, usually on release day, like we, we talked about, we talked about how, you know, what a magical day launch day is for a well-anticipated game. People come in and they're excited and they're smiling and they're like, yes, I thought, you know, I get to play. I'm so excited. Uh, Princess Peach, that launch day, that's how people will be. Skull and Bone launch day, they look haggard. They looked like it's been 84 years. <laughs> and they came in and they were like, I put my deposit on this game back in 2022. I bought this steelbook edition back in 2022 and paid full price. Um, they weren't, they were not happy. They, they were not happy. So I don't know if they were trying to distance, um, themselves from Sea of Thieves, you know, they didn't want to, you know, launch in the, in the thick of all of that, um, or whatever. I, I, I don't know the whole, um, but yeah, when, when you turn your fan base that is excited into like really like resentful, like give me my damn game. Um, yeah, you missed the mark a little bit on that one. So that makes the list on mm -hmm. worst launches. Yeah. And I have nothing really to add to that because we have one final title on the list. And this is a title that you thought Anthem pissed me off. <laughs> I haven't invested in this title. I have had many, many, many friends. I had a friend that dropped $250 on a founder's pack in this title. And uh, I consider it an absolute waste of money. You talk about a 2013 announcement. Try a 2011 announcement with a early access and development since 2012 with no launch date in sight. It's raised over half a billion dollars without ever actually having the game being completed or officially launched. It has had a spin-off title, but again, it's been in early access since 2012. That's 12 years of early access with no launch date in sight. Now, what is the title I'm talking about? I'll give you guys about three seconds to just curse it, yell it out before I say it very calmly. That game is Star Citizen. You've probably heard of it. It's been memed into the ground. Talk about a swindle job. Talk about a heist. Like, it is a good title. It is beautiful. It is gorgeous. The fact that they were offering these $50 packs, these $100 packs, these $250 packs where you got these ships, you got this, you were going to get this, you were going to get out of here, you are going to get on this, your name here, you are going to do that. They're laughing all the way to the bank. 
over half a billion dollars on a game that is not finished and people continue to put money into it now for those those people who have been playing the entire time they are getting an experience but you want to talk about the epitome of live service gaming gone wrong or right depending on what side of the fence you're hanging out on star citizen has had such a bad launch that it hasn't even launched yet and probably never will officially launch. You want to talk about bad launches? I saved this for last because it never will launch and they're still getting money from people. Like, holy the launch crap. launch that didn't launch. It's Yeah, it's just like, it's just the launchiest of launches. It's, it's so <laughs> bad of a launch. They're trolling you every day. They get another dollar from another person. And like I said... It's not necessarily that it is a bad title. I've watched my friends play it. I refused to spend money until it came out because I wanted to see it. It was it was almost like they kept like, okay, it's gonna get released at this point. Okay, we're gonna come out of early access at this point. Okay, we're gonna have the, okay, we're actually gonna have a spinoff title. Now we're gonna have another spinoff, and it's like you know what? I'm gonna just vote with my wallet and I'm gonna wait and see what happens. And guess what? It's still not launched. It's it's still in, in early access. It's still in development. It is the epitome of live service. And and I mean, like, I don't think anybody's going to be able to pull that off ever again because of the sheer just absurdity that is Star Citizen. Like, it's just, ah, like, give me a break. I I think that the launch that just never happened that you know that could be a book the launch that never happened and it would just be like 150 pages of angst and screaming and anger it could be therapeutic <laughs> uh, I think that definitely takes the cake on the worst launch in gaming history um, there's so many to choose from just, recently. Like it just didn't. And, and I mean, there's just and the my the bigger overarching problem is the fact that these developers don't release complete games. Mm -hmm. And one of the yeah. things we're gonna I'm gonna show for it again. You talked about developers listening to people. Pal World, it has mm -hmm. its share of problems. The official yeah. servers have been taken over by hackers. It's still in early access, and the devs are listening. So there are still developers out there that do listen to their people. They had a post where it was like, if this post gets 300,000 up, upvotes, we'll add sex to the game. And people were like, silly developers, there's already breeding. And they're like, no, you misunderstand. Like, So, I mean, in, in, they're even having fun with it. Like, you know, and, and like, they've got, you know, Lovander pal number 69 where they're talking about they got tired of you know banging pals so now they moved out of humans like they, they they have like just hacks that you could do like packs downloadable packs you can add to like make characters bigger smaller cuter change features yada 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 but it's in early access the developer is listening they do plan on doing a full release um so there are good developers out there the problem is the big ones like ubisoft blizzard activision electronic arts like 
<coughs> I threw up in my mouth a little bit saying that. Like, <laughs> just these these big developers, Bioware, CD Projekt Red now, like, they will recover maybe, but they're getting our money for unreleased, un- or unfinished, half-released games. And we continue... We continue to give them money. Even even Square Enix. Not only am I a Sony fanboy, I'm a Squaresoft and Square Enix fanboy. Final Fantasy fourteen, like the launch was so bad they had to scrap it and relaunch the game again a year later. Like and people are playing it. It's the second biggest MMO after World of Warcraft. It might actually be bigger now than WoW, because WoW has been bleeding numbers for like the last, I don't know, forty six years. Like but yeah, it just and it's and it's like people are okay with this and like they talk with their mouths but they vote with their wallets and they they continue to support like Electronic Arts EA is laughing with every NBA release, every WWE release with with uh, 2K um, 2K games like with Madden and with FIFA and like they they're doing minimal updates. The games come out buggy, they come out with broken features. And people still shell out money for them. Like, Call of Duties. They're alternating between, like, two or three publishers, two or three developers. And the games is like, it alternates a awful one with a good one, an awful one with a good one. But even the good ones have bad launches, server issues, hackers almost immediately, bugs and problems. And it's like, this never happened. Well, very rarely did it happen. 10 15 20 years ago like and we're just okay with this so yeah that's the that's that's the the bigger problem is the fact that there are so many more bad launches than there are good launches because developers are like you're gonna pay us anyways so we'll get around to fixing the game eventually but you know like diablo 3 ended up being a good game but people still think it sucks because it was so bad for so long well, I think Diablo 3 was a unique situation because we waited for Diablo 3 forever. And then that's what we got. That, you know, um, and I'm just saying, we didn't have these problems with cartridges. <laughs> but yes, at the end of the day, developers launch complete games don't give us half a game and then three months later make us buy the dlc to fix all the things that shouldn't have been broken when the game launched like that's kind of bs you guys can do better gamers we can do better by not contributing like if if they're not going to release a complete game let's just not buy it it's that simple. Yep. Exactly. And that is a good place to end this 11th episode of the podcast, which, funnily enough, is currently our longest episode so far. Like <laughs> like I said, people don't care about good news. They care about bad news. And man, did I go off about a couple <laughs> of these titles. But that is it. You can catch us on YouTube on the VODs. Just look up freaking Fox LLC. You can see us right here on Twitch Wednesday nights at 8.30-ish Mountain Standard Time. We will release the VOD on Friday on our YouTube channel. We also are anywhere you get your audio uh, fix, whether that be Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Google Music, 
Um, iHeartRadio, I always miss at least half of them. It goes up everywhere Friday, the same time the VOD goes up. You can support us there. You can get your fix. You can listen to it in the car. You can watch it, put it on in the background. Our soothing voices, both of us. But we will catch you guys next week. I am Frick. And I am Fox. And we will catch you guys next Wednesday. Peace.